I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I did to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I want you to turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 37, and we'll look at chapter 39 as well. While you're turning there, I want to bring something very important to your attention. Within the matter of days, the North Carolina General Assembly will be taking up the matter of abortion. As you well know, Roe versus Wade was overturned and sent back to the states for the states to make their own determination concerning abortion. With that being said, it is very important that you, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as the church of Jesus Christ, make your voice known as citizens of this state to the state legislators. I encourage you to reach out to them, reach out to the House Speaker as well as the President Pro Tem of the Senate. And they will decide very shortly of how we deal with this matter of abortion in our land. I encourage you to reach out to them. And if you need ways and you need to understand how to do that, contact our ministry and we can do that for you. We can put you in the right direction. So I trust you'll be doing that. Pastors, I trust that you'll be doing that for your people as well. Genesis chapter 37 and verse 36. And the Midianites sold him unto Egypt, unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and a captain of the guard. Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 6. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served them. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not all he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Here's the context. 
Joseph has been betrayed by his own brothers and sold as a slave. Joseph has been sold to some Ishmaelite merchants for less than a hundred dollars. His brothers sold him for the price of a crippled slave. The Ishmaelites took Joseph to Egypt and put him up for sale in that land. Now try to put yourself in Joseph's shoes just for a moment. You're 17 years old. You're favored, the favored son in a family of 12 sons. Your father has chosen you to be the head of the family, and he's given you a beautiful robe to symbolize that fact. You're on a pathway to power, influence, prominence in your family. Then in a moment of time, everything is gone. You're stripped of your coat. You're betrayed by people who should have loved you. You're separated from your father. You're sold as a slave and carried off into a strange land. Imagine all the humility of being examined and sold as a slave at a slave auction. Imagine the lies Satan must have told him. In many ways, you're just a simple country boy from an unsophisticated family, and you find yourself transported to the capital city, the most advanced nation in the world. Imagine how Joseph must have felt as those camels crested that last hill and the wonders of ancient Egypt spread out before him on the plains of Giza. Great pyramids would have been standing in Joseph's day. In fact, they would have been over a thousand years old when his great-grandfather Abraham visited that land many years before. Joseph would have seen the Sphinx, the great Egyptian temples, the opulent palaces of the Pharaoh and his people. What a culture shock, this young man from the country. On the surface, it seemed that circumstances could not have been worse for young Joseph. But in truth, those difficult days were mere stepping stones along the path to greater glory. Now, it might have appeared that all of Joseph's dreams had been shattered. But the God who gave the dreams in the first place was working behind the scenes to ensure they would all be fulfilled in his time. What no one could see in all this trouble surrounding young Joseph's life is stated clearly in Genesis 39 and verse 2. For in that verse, the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Now we need to learn some great truths about God and how he is always with his people to see them through their trials, to accomplish his plans in their lives, and to use them to point a lost world to himself. I call your attention to verse 36 of chapter 37, where God protected him. Now, as I said moments, moments ago, it seemed that all had fallen apart for Joseph, yet if you take a moment, examine the facts, it becomes clear that Joseph was in the hand of divine providence. Considering everything that he faced, too many things just happened to fall into place for him. Consider the intervention of Reuben in Genesis chapter 37, verses 21 and 22. Again, consider Judah's idea to sell Joseph as a slave in Genesis 37, verse 26 and all. The appearance of the Ishmaelite traders in Genesis 37 and verse 28, 
And the fact that he was sold to Potiphar in chapter 37 and verse 36, Potiphar is called the captain of the guard. His position seems to have been that of the chief executioner. He was like the head of Pharaoh's secret police. He was responsible for protecting his boss and for dealing with those who dared attack Pharaoh. Now, Potiphar, by virtue of his position, would have been in contact with many of the dignitaries and political officials of Egypt. It's not outside the realm of possibility that Joseph would have been introduced to many of these influential people as well. So God set up everything just like it needed to be so that Joseph arrived exactly where he needed to be at the exact moment he needed to be there. Now, Joseph might have been a slave, but he was saved in the arms of divine providence. He might have been separated from his earthly father, but his heavenly father went with him before him into Egypt. You can see how much control the Lord has by looking at the actions of the people involved in the account. Joseph's brothers, the Ishmaelite traders, and Potiphar were all serving their own selfish interests. His brothers wanted rid of Joseph and his dreams. The Ishmaelites were out for a prophet. Potiphar was just looking for a good deal on a slave. So what they could not see is that they were all unwittingly accomplishing the purposes of a sovereign God. Now, folks, isn't it a comfort to know that God can use lost people to accomplish his purpose. Isn't it a blessing to know that all of the events of our lives are part of God's plan for us? While the events of Joseph's life appeared to be out of control, they were actually being controlled by God. Joseph was being protected by the Lord. We see that in Genesis 39 and verse 2. He was protected by God's presence. Very much we must notice that he was protected from a bitter spirit. There's no hint that Joseph was angry about his difficulties. He surrendered even to his hardships. He was protected by God's providence. The dreams that God gave Joseph in Genesis 39, verses 5 through 11, were not off track. They were not being fulfilled in God's time, in God's way. And I'm sure those dreams sustained Joseph during the dark days of his servitude. I want you to notice that we too have the same protections that Joseph enjoyed. We're protected by his presence. We have his presence. Jesus Christ is forever with us. And he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, even to the end of the age. We have the presence of God. In addition, we have his help to deal with our past and our problems and our pain. His way, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. We do not have to become bitter, anger, or unforgiving. We can display a sweet spirit even during the most trying times with our Lord's help. We've got God's promise that all things work together for good in Romans 8, 28. So a lot of what happens in life doesn't make good sense. But it does not change the fact that God is in control of everything, everything that happens to us. Obedience to the Lord may lead us into the eye of a terrible storm. And this proved true in Joseph's life. This was also true of the Lord Jesus in Isaiah 53 and verse 10. 
As I've told you before, God's purpose in our trials is not to harm us. It is to develop us. We can trust him to protect us and grow us amid the hardships of this life. And our God is constantly in control. There's never been a time where God has not been in control. But we also see in chapter 39, verses 2 and 3, that God prospered him. When Joseph arrived in Egypt, he no longer had his coat of many colors. Now, he may have lost his coat, but he did not lose his character. And the coat Jacob gave Joseph was a symbol of his position in the family. It marked him as an overseer. It marked him as, a, as the head of the family. It marked him as the one in charge of all things. It marked him as a man with authority. And Joseph's authority did not come from a robe. His authority did not come from some piece of cloth. Joseph's authority came from his character. He was a godly young man who walked before his father in absolute integrity. When Joseph lost his coat, he lost nothing that made him a great man. Joseph's greatness did not come from the clothes on his body, but from the character of his heart. He may have worn the humble garments of a slave, but he was still a man of character and integrity. My friend, we ought to have the same testimony. We need to be a people of character and integrity. When Joseph arrived in Egypt, he could have taken several different paths. He could have adopted the ways and customs of his new land. He could have abandoned his God and embraced the polytheistic religion of Egypt. But Joseph just stayed the course. You see, he may have been purchased by Potiphar, but Joseph belonged to God. He had already made up his mind how things would be in his life. Made no difference to Joseph whether he was in his father's house, in a pit, in the possession of slave traders, or in the house of his master. Joseph had purposed in his heart that he was always going to do the right thing. And that's just what happened. Joseph was a man of integrity. Regardless of the situation in which he found himself, like Joseph, you and I need to establish some boundaries in our lives. We need to make up our minds that there are some things we're just not going to do. And when a situation arises, we don't have to debate about it. We just know what we will do and what we will not do. And we've already made up our minds because the issue is settled based upon the word of God. Now we're told in verse 2 that Joseph was a prosperous man. In verse 3 it tells us that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now some might have looked at Joseph's advancement in the home of Potiphar as good luck. They see a young man like Joseph, he's had some bad breaks and then things turn around for him and things start hitting the other way. People look at this and say, man, he sure is lucky. I want you to know that luck has nothing to do with your success if you're a believer. Luck had nothing to do with Joseph's success. In fact, there's no such thing as luck. Luck is for fairies, gnomes, sprites, and other mythical creatures, not for the children of the living God. Joseph prospered because God blessed him. Joseph prospered because God saw in Joseph a man he could trust to do his will. What some would call luck in a person's life may be nothing more than the manifestation of a good godly character. 
Maybe God blesses some people more than he does others because they have the right kind of character. Maybe they enjoy his blessings because they have integrity. Maybe they're blessed because he can trust them to do the right thing. And what I want you to see here is this. Joseph was in a bad situation, but he still lived a life that was blessed by the Lord. And I'm sure that his life was a life of endless drudgery and service, but he was faithful to his task. And his character caused him to be faithful to his God and to his human master. As a result, God blessed his life and God blessed his work. Here's two thoughts I want you to take with you. Don't miss this. Just because you're going through trials and problems does not mean that God is not blessing your life. You might not see God moving in your life, but just trust him, and in his time, he will manifest his presence, his glory, and his power. There have been many times in my life, and yours too, I'm sure, there have been many times in my life where I could not see his hand moving, but I had to trust his plan. Joseph made, secondly, Joseph made the best of a terrible situation. Now, he demonstrated a proper attitude in the midst of his trials. So should we. The secret to happiness in the hard times is how you respond to what is happening to you. 90% of living a joyful life is simply responding well to your trials. Life is what you make it. You may have heard of two grasshoppers that fell into a bucket of fresh milk. One was so upset that he quickly lost all hope. He sank and he drowned. The other one uh, tried so hard to get out, he kicked and kicked, and eventually he churned that milk into butter and he just walked out. See, it's all about how you handle life. Either you will handle it or it will handle you. I remember reading about the great Baptist preacher John Bunyan, who was thrown into prison in 17th century England, for preaching the gospel without a license. He spent 12 years in jail because he would not promise the court that he would not preach if he were released. Now, he could have come be- become discouraged by such a long imprisonment, but John Bunyan was a man of character and integrity. While he was in jail, he had a stool that had three legs. He removed one of the legs and carved it into a flute. And he would use that flute to play gospel songs. While in jail, Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress, which is an allegory of the Christian life. It's the second largest selling book in history, only next to the Bible has it sold more copies. John Bunyan could have given up. Instead, he used his trials as a place to glorify his God, and in turn, God blessed him. By the way, the Lord is still looking for men and women of faith, character, and integrity. He's still looking for people that can use in these days to get his glory and honor to his name. I remember reading about the Ravensbrück death camp operated by the Nazis where a young woman by the name of Corey Ten Boom was forced to endure the more appalling atrocities that you can imagine, and many more that you cannot. She was starved, beaten, and threatened. 
She was forced to live with lice, fleas, and rats. She witnessed the death of her weaker, younger sister. And she saw thousands of Jews and Jewish sympathizers leave that place through the smokestacks of the crematoriums. Surely she couldn't understand why she, along with thousands of others, were forced to endure such hardship and agony. But Corey Ten Boom, inmate number 66730, determined in her heart. And while she was there, she would be the best Christian she could be. In barracks number 28, she started a small Bible study and helped many others make it through those difficult years. Eventually, she won her freedom. Now, many might have become embittered by that kind of experience. Corey Tim Boom, however, was used by the Lord in a mighty fashion after World War II. She carried the message of Christ around the world, and tens, and thou- tens of thousands learned of the power of grace and the power of the forgiveness of God. She took her impossible situation and used it to glorify God. Now in closing, we see number three, verses 30, chapter 39, and verses four through six, God promoted him. Potiphar saw that the hand of God was upon the life of Joseph. He knew there was something special about this Hebrew slave. And as he watched Joseph work and he saw the results of that work, Potiphar saw that everything Joseph touched turned to gold. Potiphar promoted Joseph. He made him the overseer of his entire household. Joseph was in control of everything that happened in Potiphar's home and in his business interest. And Potiphar learned that he could trust Joseph to do the right thing. He discovered that Joseph was a man of industry and integrity. He was a worker who did the best job that he could for his master. And Joseph served Potiphar like he was serving God. Now, there's a word for here for every person in this room. We all answer to someone. Whoever that person or group of people is, we give them our best at all times. That means giving eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. That means doing what they tell you to do without complaint, without an attitude. That means serving your employer like you're serving God. You say, is that biblical? Sure is. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 through chapter 4 and verse 1. It means working with industry and integrity for the glory of God. Now, just like cream, Joseph continues to rise to the top. Regardless of the situation in which he finds himself, he walks with integrity, seeking to glorify his God, and it showed up in his life. Even Potiphar, the pagan Egyptian, saw something different in the life of Joseph. Joseph didn't have to blow his trumpet and tell Potiphar he was a great believer. 
The life he lived proclaimed the glory of his God. And Potiphar saw for himself the influence of God in the life of Joseph. The touch of God on his life opened the door for Joseph to share his faith with Potiphar. The same thing should be said of us. The lives we live should be so different from the world around us that the mark of God's favor will be clear to see. Joseph lived a godly life. He glorified God, and God promoted him and used him in a powerful way. And the Lord will do the same in your life and mine. If he can trust us with the task he assigns to us, then he will entrust us with greater things down the road. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. When we bloom where we're planted, when we serve the Lord with industry and integrity, he will open up new avenues of service for us. And he will use us when we get in the place of being usable. God used the sorrows of Joseph's life to shape him into the man he desired him to become. And the trials that Joseph faced and the trials you and I face, though not easy, they do, however, teach us to depend on God. You see, our trials help us to maintain a tender and compassionate heart. Our trials teach us the value of tears. Our trials make us useful for the Lord. We should never ask him to withhold our trials. We should never seek to shun the trials of life. In shunning our trials, we're also shunning the best of God's blessing. It was A.W. Tozer who once said, it is doubtful that God ever used anyone greatly without first hurting them deeply. There was a poet who wrote a poem, and it goes like this. I walked a mile with pleasure, and she chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, a narrow word she said, but all the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. We want to be used by God but we don't want the heartaches that come first. I'm afraid that we cannot have the one without the other. They seem to go hand in hand. Here's a final word of encouragement. No matter how hard the life you live becomes, if you are born again, the same thing that was said about Joseph is true about you. And the Lord was with him. You do not face trials alone. Every step you take, you are in a path of divine providence. And God is in the business of protecting you, prospering you, and promoting you for his glory.